new wave, synth pop, punk rock, dance, industrial, electronica, avant-garde. All these and more have been used to describe the sound of the almost 45-year career of UK band Depeche Mode. While this type of identity crisis isn't always a good thing, Depeche Mode lives up to all of it and makes it work. They've had pop dance hits. They're mostly an electronic band. Their shows can be very avant-garde. They embody the ideals of punk. And in 1990, they released their most successful album, a dark industrial mix of songs called Violator. While already achieving massive success in the 80s, this catapulted them to a worldwide phenomenon. Songs like Personal Jesus and Policy of Truth were major hits in the U.S. and abroad. Perhaps the most intriguing and unusual of the singles released from the album was a melodic, rhythmic earworm called Enjoy the Silence. It seemed to embody not only the sound of the new album, but created what would be the band's signature style for years to come. With heavy drums, soaring synths, and a singable chorus, the song set the tone of Violator. Covered by numerous artists, it is a testament to the fact that Depeche Mode is an influencer of today's pop and rock sound. Today on Hidden Jukebox, enjoy the silence. Wait, wait. Actually, listen to us talk about the song, Enjoy the Silence. Okay, couple of questions, as usual. Have, has Depeche Mode been described as punk rock? Uh, at least on multiple pages that okay. I found. Um, it, it's hard because this... You know, they formed in 1978. Okay. During the punk era, um, you know, when when Sex Pistols and the Clash were were making a big splash, and oh, the the Clash splash, the era. Clash splash, and uh, they were part of the new wave scene. Sure, there was a major backlash to it uh, by the uh, punk. What's the right word for it? Uh, uh, establishment purists, punk purists. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but a lot of people saw it as a natural uh, progression from punk. So, sure. so I think that a lot of people who look at that go, well, they were kind of part of that British punk scene of the late 70s, early 80s. Yeah, that makes sense. That just took it in a different direction. Would I hear any Depeche Mode and go, oh, man, that's a killer punk song? Probably not. No, although, like, having said that, I think this this was like a... a uh, transitional album for them them because i feel like this was this was considered like their guitar album at the time it it was um i was i didn't look it up when did people are people come out oh i don't probably like 86 yeah like it it was a mid-80s hit and they had just can't get enough from the just can't get enough was from their first album yeah that was 1980 yeah so so i mean they'd been you mentioned this we talked about uh pulp a few episodes ago and how they were relatively obscure for 17 years of their career. <laughs> Something like that. Yeah. And then all of a sudden had this huge hit Depeche mode were hit makers from the beginning. And, and so they were already well on the map. One of the things I found before violator came out, they played to 60,000 people in the United States. Oh, yeah. I'm not surprised. In, in California at uh, the Rose Bowl. And I'm, I'm like, they were that big 
at that time and their biggest album hadn't even come out yet. Yeah, and they they could like read, you know, they could like stick their finger up in the wind and like feel what was coming because like they're on their next album after this, uh the the lead single from that album was I Feel You, which was like, you know, we're like we're taking grunge and making it Depeche Mode grunge and and did it really well. Right. Um you know, I, I mentioned they they I said they found their sound on on this album, and they kind of did, but it was the sound that, that they followed for years afterwards. Like, yeah. Like, I don't know if I would listen to their stuff from the 80s and say this was a natural progression from what they were doing in the 80s. This sure. felt like a bit of a departure. Uh, one thing that I did not know until I until I was doing some reading for this episode is that uh, Depeche Mode's most recent big hit was in 2005. What? <laughs> uh, I don't remember the name of the song, but uh, it did very well. Like in, in the U.S. too. In the U.S. too. So they they are a band that got to a level of popularity that for like such a sustained period of time that they can like just stick with that and be popular at some level that is be uh, you know continue to be popular at a level far beyond the reach of the vast majority of bands for as long as they want. Well. <sighs> I didn't look to see if they've played Coachella, but you know that if Depeche Mode next year got hired to play Coachella, they would be at least in the top six of the headliners. Sure, and people would love it. And and they have not had a hit since 2005. apparently 2005. Yeah. L- like, they, they still, when they tour, play arenas and stadiums. Um, one fact about Depeche Mode, I know that there are two guys in the band, and usually I can remember one of their names, but not the other one, but it often, but it always changes back and forth which one I can remember. So which one can you remember right now? There's Dave. Dave Gahan. Yeah. And Martin Gore. Martin Gore. And, and this is, this is something that I was going to bring up because they're, they're certainly not the only band that's ever done this, but Martin Gore is the songwriter for Depeche Mode. Sure. Uh, Dave Gahan does virtually nothing except sing. He, that sounds like a great deal. Like I, that's exactly what I was going to yeah. say. I'm, I'm like, so you know, you you get a kind of signature vocal sound, and you go, "That's the extent of my work. I'm I'm done here. Just hand me the songs, and I'm going to make millions of dollars." No, like I I I know what you mean. Like minus the millions of dollars part, because like for the first <laughs> time, like in my like in my music career, career is a very strong word. Uh, for the first time since I've been doing music, like uh, I've been doing I've been doing covers and some originals with uh, with a coworker who will often put together an entire backing track and send it to me and say, "You will you sing." this it's so gratifying <laughs> like i you know all the hard parts have been done for me yeah uh and and the the type of person who would be so humble as to write songs and go you know i just want to be on the side of the stage i, I want to let somebody else take the reins here uh i'll write things for them I don't really like the sound of my voice, whatever it may be that made that made Martin Gore decide that he didn't want to be the guy. Okay, this is interesting because, like, also in the last couple of years, I have written songs for other people to sing, and that's also really fun. Like, it the the most frustrating experiences I've had is when I like wrote a song for me to sing myself. Okay, so so this brings up another point, though. Have you have you? Well, first off, let's ask about you. Yeah. When was the last time you played a live show? Oh, uh, 2004, 
2005, probably. We we played with Depeche Mode when they were when they were on that tour for that one single from 2005. Actually, it was the one before that when they were still playing small clubs before they hit <laughs> before it big they hit with big the in 2005. Yeah, <laughs> uh, you were basically a frontman. Did you like being a frontman? Loved it. So you didn't get stage fright, anything like that. Uh, some some amount, but not not much. So have you ever seen Depeche Mode play live? Like, have you ever been to Depeche Mode show? Have you watched much on YouTube? No. After I found out that Martin Gore was the principal songwriter but chose not to be the lead singer, I'm like, okay, it's going to be Dave Gahan strutting his stuff across the stage, and Martin Gore is going to be, like, shoved in the back corner, like, hiding behind Uh his keyboards, going, please don't look at me. And, (laughs) And he is an animal on stage. Oh, that's great. He's he's such a performer. And so now I'm dying to hear his lead singing voice. And apparently there are tracks that I I didn't find. But like, it it still just begs the question, if this guy is so good in front of an audience and loves performing and everything, why is Dave Gahan here? Well, because not not everyone is a lead singer. And like, I mean, you know, we talked about in the Oasis episode, like even though Noel Gallagher is a very good singer, like there's no there's no mystery about why Liam Gallagher was the lead singer. Sure. And and Dave Gahan is a great front man. Yeah. Like he he's got just an extremely unique baritone voice. Uh He's he doesn't have a huge range at all. Right. He it's very, very small, but it's so recognizable and it fits with with kind of the darkness of their sound so well. Yeah, it's uh, his voice is is naturally very thick, I think. And that's with two C's. And I, you know, no, K. The the like effects processing that they use is such a big part of Depeche Mode and of, of like, you know, electronic, uh, you know, dance and pop bands from this entire era. Not just this entire era. I mean, like like they threw every synth sound you can imagine onto this album. Yeah, pra- practically. And there's. There's certainly bands before them that were using synths quite a bit, but like the sound of electronic music, even though this isn't completely a dance album, like like what people do with synthesizers to this day clearly stems from what Depeche Mode was doing in 1990. Yeah, so here's here's how good at it they were. Like if any synthesizer will have a uh, a like choir patch that uh, sounds like a really cheesy recording or or you know synthesized sound of of like multiple voices singing and every time i've ever played this i'm like oh that's silly how would you ever use this in a song and it's in this song <laughs> and it yeah. works do, so do, well do, do, ah. and and i was 10 when this came out and and i wasn't the i didn't hate it i didn't love it um, I really love it now, but if you would have asked me at the time, is that a live choir? I would have said, yeah, of course it's a live choir. Yeah, they've got they got all the money they need, but no. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> but no, they didn't. They had to make this album for six hundred dollars, <laughs> like Bleach. <laughs> um, so, uh, let's talk about the song for a mm-hmm. little bit. Um, it kind of plods along with not a lot of dynamics to it. It, it's it you know and that that would normally sound like a bad thing but to me like it's it's a dance track it is supposed to keep this plotting beat to it and it, it does that 
Um, it's got clear verses and choruses, mm-hmm. uh, and then it's got this long outro. Yes, which which is not on, on like the radio edit. No. You mentioned this, that the track on the album is six minutes long, yeah. right? And what do they do at the end? So, like, I'm not sure if, I, if I'm remembering these things in the right order, but uh, a voice says, enjoy the silence. And then there's like 10 seconds of silence. And then there's like an instr- instrumental outro. That's correct. Okay, great. Um <laughs> And and in the radio edit, they do add in that enjoy the silence, which is the only time that they say it on the entire track. Right. Um, which means that a lot of people listening to this are going to go, I don't think I know this song. And then they're going to hear and go, oh, yeah. I yeah. don't know if anyone's going to say they don't think they know this song. I mean, when they hear it, okay. they, they will. But like by name. All I, right. Yeah, maybe not. I don't know. Um, this album is so packed with riffs. Like I did not really think of Depeche Mode as a riff driven band. Um, but if you listen, listen to this album, like if I say policy of truth or personal Jesus, like you've got those riffs in your head immediately. Right. Uh, gotta be perfectly honest. I probably would have picked personal Jesus for this episode, not this song. Mm-hmm. But this is one of these rare occasions that this album was released in 1990. Yes, exactly. But Personal Jesus was released as a single prior to it in 1989. Yes, I had the exact same. We, we could have cheated and, and said, you know, it was on an album that came out in 1990. No cheating. Yeah. I mean, Personal <laughs> Jesus is an amazing it's song. It's such an amazing <laughs> song. Um, we're, we're not here to talk about that, but mm-hmm. just, just the breathing breakdown, which is actually since... <laughs> Yeah. It's so cool. <laughs> it's it's so goddamn genius. Yeah. Uh this song, uh you're you're saying everything's so riff based. There's this guitar thing that they're doing at the beginning of it. Yeah. Um and uh at one point it's done on synth yeah. and then at another point it's done on guitar. Yeah. It sounds great. It sounds absolutely great. Like, I don't know. It's got to be Martin Gore who's conceptualizing these things, since apparently all Dave Gahan did was strut his stuff and, and sing. But it's it's a really clever idea. It's totally unnecessary and not how I would normally write a song. Like, it'd be like, yeah, th- this guitar track, we're just going to keep using the, the guitar track. And then he's like... No, we're going to use synth on it this time. And it's an unusual kind of riff. Like, I'm kind of going to make up a theory here that is going to fall apart as soon as you come up with 17 counterexamples. But <laughs> I, I feel like what, what is unusual about the riff of the song is that it doesn't have much rhythmic variation. Um, and, like, that is, that is like, when I think about, like, great riffs, like, they often have lean on a lot of rhythmic variation. But this one is just do, 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 do. Do 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 right? Yeah, but now you're putting me on the spot to yeah. find to find 17 other examples, which which I would at some yeah, point. Yeah, I, I thought of some other examples, but they were like obscure indie shit that I listened to. So I, I mean, it's it's certainly not the only song that's become mm. famous that that does no, something like that. But but it's it's catchy. It's it it's an earworm. I mean, you you hear that melody and you instantly know what song it is. Yeah. Um. I was going to say something. Uh, I was like thinking about how many bands Depeche Mode has influenced. And then I looked up uh, who they listed as influences. Oh, okay. And The Cure. Sure. Which 
I think they were around before The Cure, so I find that a little bit interesting. I I, th- I feel like they started around the same time, probably. Craftwork. Sure. The Human League. Yeah. Susie and the Banshees. Yeah. And is, th- is Human League, Don't You Want Me? Yes. Okay. And that's when I took pause and I went, I think this is like the sixth British band that we've done that cites Susie and the Banshees as a huge influence. And I can't name a single Susie and the Banshees song. And I'm just sitting there going. I can name one. They had one like big hit song. What was their big hit Kiss song? Kiss Them For Me. I don't know it. And and I'm sitting here going, maybe I need to really start taking a deep dive into Susie and the Banshees because apparently they influenced every single British band after that. I'm going to bet they're not going to be for you. I'm going to bet that too. But but for some reason, every like Oasis lists them. Sure. Pulp lists them. Yeah. Uh, Blur lists them. Uh, I think it was like required if you were a British band that came out in the 80s or 90s, you had to list Susie and the Banshees as one of your influences. Yeah. Okay. Um, Oh, one thing I forgot to mention that this has nothing to do with this song or album, but on uh, Depeche Mode's first album, they have a song called Big Muff. And I was very excited to listen to this because I was like, oh, maybe this is like a proto grunge song. It is not. It has nothing to do with the Big Muff. Yeah, I went and listened to it and I'm like... (laughs) I'm like, what was it? Uh, Mudhoney who had Super Fuzz Big Muff? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, for for a specific reason. So then I went to try and find why the song's called Big Muff. Okay. Did I, you? I couldn't find it. Okay. We should, we should have gotten uh, Martin Gore on the show. Or Dave Gahan. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. Yeah. Okay. So, so I mentioned to you in passing uh, while we were discussing this this episode that Dave Gahan has really been able to keep up uh, w- with his performance because he never really sang out of his range. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned uh, that he had an era where he couldn't really sing because he had a, a really bad drug problem. Sure. Uh, I went back and started watching interviews with him and whoa. <laughs> Yeah, he really got into heroin during the 90s. Oh, yeah, he had a bad, bad time. A really, really bad time. Like, like there are interviews that you can find that are really, really ugly to watch. Yeah, I bet. Uh, so good for him for pulling through it, because I know they toured as recently as 2020, and they sound great Yeah, now. I think they put out, like, a new studio album within the last few years. They did in 2017, I want to okay. say. They, they've they released 14 albums. Yeah. Um, yeah, t- 2017, they released Spirit. And they've had... Uh, so Andy Fletcher is the other guy in the band um, who does keyboards, backing vocals, and plays bass when they tour a lot of the time. And... The three of them, Martin Gore, Dave Gahan, and Andy Fletcher, have all been in the band uh, since 1981. Okay, wow. That is just incredible. Like, was one of the guys from Erasure originally in Depeche Mode? Is that right? Ooh. I, I think, let's just say that's right. Who's okay. going who's gonna to call us on it? Uh, the, the guy from Erasure. Yeah, the, oh, he's calling right now. Weird. <laughs> Like, I can name wrong. both guys. I can name both guys from Erasure, but only one from Depeche Mode. Why is that? I don't know. I was going to say Erasure's an eight-piece band. I don't think that's true. <laughs> um, 
speaking speaking of like having famous people on our podcast, I like I've gotten to this point where where like I we had uh, Japanese breakfast as a guest on my other podcast, and like I can no longer believe that this actually happened because like the day after she was on our podcast, she became incredibly famous. What? <laughs> you know this? I did not know this. Yes, you at did. All. I did. I swear to you, I did not know this. There's yeah. no way that that you told me this in passing. I went, oh, that's cool, and forgot about it. On spilled milk? Yes. Talking, talking about Korean rice cakes. Go, go listen to Matthew's other podcast, Spilled Milk. Make sure you check out the Japanese breakfast episode. Uh, famous uh, by being on spilled milk before they were famous by having a hit song. Um, yeah. But she was on SNL like last week. Yes. And, that that uh, is it was true. great. Um, so uh, this uh, album is produced by Flood. Oh, yeah. Wouldn't it be cool if you had a cool one-word nickname like Flood? Uh, we've talked about we, this. We've before. talked about this before. I like, know. like, like, when when did he start being called Flood? Um, I I think like um he he like you know missed the missed the toilet a few too many times. <laughs> that was terrible. Uh, yeah, I'm fired. <laughs> um, spoiler alert: His name is Mark Ellis. His his last name isn't Flood. Like, like. Who knows where that came from? But UK producer, almost 100 credits to his name. U2, Nine Inch Nails, Smashing Pumpkins. Did he produce like Octung Baby? He produced Octung Baby. He produced uh, Not Pretty Hate Machine, uh, I, the one with Marsh the Pigs, uh, Downward Spiral. Yeah. Um, New Order. <laughs> we're we're literally doing Foles. a track from Downward Spiral, Spiral next month. I know. Okay. So we're gonna, So we're going to talk about him again. Right. Um, and, and so he's had, he has been just a hit producer for years. And then, uh, all the videos from this album were directed by Anton Corbin, 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 uh, who was a hit video maker in the nineties. Yes. This, I remember this video playing on MTV all the time. It's the one where Dave Gahan is dressed like a King, uh, like from a cartoon and walking around with a deck chair, looking for a place to relax. That's pretty much the idea. And apparently they filmed it like in four different countries. It's true. They <laughs> And flew the same chair around with them. Like, Oh, you got it. So, so this is, this is how it's described on Wikipedia quote, Dave dressed up as a King walking around with a deck chair. They initially, rejected it. They changed their minds when he explained that the idea was that the king, Dave, represented a man with everything in the world just looking for a quiet place to sit, a king of no kingdom. <laughs> I don't know why I find that so funny. It's, it, it's one of those things where, where, like, you saw the video a million times, and when you, at least for me when I was younger, I didn't really think about what was going on. I was just like, good song, good video. And then you go back and, and you watch again, and you think about what's going on, and you're like, but why? Why would? Why did when they're hearing that would they say, "Oh, okay, I get it now." <laughs> like, great, great that. idea, Anton. <laughs> Maybe they just want to travel to the to the uh, four different countries. I don't know. That makes sense. <laughs> yeah, no, no. It's like let me explain to you why we're doing this. It's because we can go to four cool, cool countries. <laughs> you can like drink beer most of the time, and all we have to bring along is a chair and a and a crown, <laughs> wait like a, minute, a Burger King. Crown. Wait a minute, bring along the chair to the bar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes, we're going to like uh, bars where you have to bring your own chairs. 
<laughs> okay, one music geekery thing, and then we can talk about what we're listening to. This this song is in C minor. It is like all the chords in the song are clearly in the key of C minor, except there is one weird borrowed chord that is way outside the key. And I feel like even someone who knows nothing about music theory, if I told you, listen to the song and tell me when the weird chord happens, would pick it out immediately. Yeah. Right? It's the part at the end of the chorus where they can only do harm and suddenly, yeah, like it's very like a destabilizing feeling. Like we're taking you out of this for a minute and then we're going to plunk you back in. It's great. There's a couple of moments, a few moments on this album where they do that. Uh, Yeah. The song Halo has this chord change. I don't think I know that song. The the first time I heard that song, I... I actually thought that Dave Gahan was singing out of key purposely oh, because the change is so unusual. Um, Martin Gore is kind of a genius songwriter. Like yeah. he can do a little bit of everything. The The extended version of this album has four or five instrumental tracks at the end of it that are all kind of Martin Gore playing with classical ideas, uh, synth ideas, and he is a very, very talented keyboardist. How do you learn how to do that? Did he go to music school? Did he take too many piano lessons when he was a kid? Like, I don't. You're you're talking about like coming up with synth ideas, or or just like having having like enough like musical knowledge and instincts at your fingertips to be able to do that. I don't know. Yeah. It, it's really unbelievable. I, I want to add something in here before we yeah. talk about what we're listening to right now, and it kind of ties into it. I went and saw a band on Friday night called Bob Moses. Okay. Bob Moses is a duo from uh, Vancouver by way of Brooklyn. All right. Uh, they went to high school together and then lost touch with each other and ran into each other in a Home Depot parking lot in Brooklyn <laughs> and said, hey, I know you. What are you doing nowadays? Oh, you're making music? Me too. Let's make music together. And they became a band. And they are very Depeche Mode influenced. Okay. Keyboardist who writes most of the music, who doesn't sing, guitar player who sings all of the songs, uh, and then they tour with a bassist and a drummer. All right. And-, and do a live show and it's it's kind of slightly down tempo dance music um but unlike Depeche Mode the singer has kind of a high more floaty voice and it wasn't until seeing that show on Friday night that I realized how much Dave Gahana adds to the sound of this band oh yeah because I'm like there is just something missing here and it no offense to any big Bob Moses fans out there, but it just didn't work for me. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to listen to this now. It sounds interesting. It's it's really interesting music, but uh, and they have three albums, I think, maybe four. Um, and their live show is a little bit heavier than their record studio stuff, but um, Depeche Mode is, is singularly awesome in what they do. Yeah. So what are you listening to? Okay. I've got a band for you, Jake. Uh my uh, kid and I went to see um, uh, Jens Lechman play a few weeks ago. Boy, you've never seen Jens Lechman before, have you? I have seen Jens Lechman before. <laughs> um, and opening for Jens Lechman was a band that we had never heard of called Them, all caps, not to be confused with Van Morrison's band, completely different. Um, they are an all-girl band from West Seattle. I'm pretty sure no one in the band is older than 20. Uh, 
they so I am really hoping that they don't like, you know, all go off to college and split up or whatever, because they are so good. They are clearly, you know, they're in that stage where they are just really learning to play their instruments, but have incredible songwriting instincts. They've released three singles. They're on all your favorite streaming services. Check them out. My favorite one of theirs is Bad For You. 7,900 followers on Instagram. Yeah, they're, they're doing, I, I think they're going places. I I will check it out, especially like, since West Seattle is my hood. Yeah, no, I love, like, it's. I feel like it's been a long time since I've, like, gotten to see a band when they're, like, just getting started. Um, and I, you know, I have only, like, the highest hopes for them. I think they're going to be fantastic. They're already fantastic. They're going to get better and better. Well, unfortunately, this episode is going to be twice as long as we've already gone because there's so much new music. It's a ridiculous amount of new music. I, I, I didn't even list something on here that I realized after I put this together that I'd forgot about. So I want to start with a band called Lawrence, Okay, who I saw uh, in Atlanta at the end of April, and they put on an amazing live show, very Wolfpack, very live. They're an eight-piece band with horns, and they're led by a brother-sister duo. Wait, you said duo. very live. Do you mean like like throwing copper? No, okay. no. The, the, they, everybody's good enough for some change, except they don't need any change. <laughs> um, so I was so excited about them, and I came home and started listening to their latest album that came out last year, Hotel TV, and that's it's, a good name. It's like, it's like show tunes, hmm. and I'm not a huge fan of show tunes. Everyone else in my family, like you know, my immediate family here, is a big fan. fan I of show feel tunes. like like you would all really, really like them. No, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like they I'll, would I'll all really try. like. Um, so. I forgot to even write on here uh, that, shockingly, King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard put out another album because they never do that. And as usual, it's fantastic. Um, and as much as I like to avoid Spotify and and think that they are somewhat evil, they are great at making suggestions. And I've been hearing about the OCs for years. Yeah, I've heard the name and have never listened. They are awesome psych rock and they've been around longer than king gizzard and the lizard wizard and it, it <laughs> but they, if only put out a quarter as many albums there i mean who hasn't it's i can't tell who's influencing who but but check out the ocs and then let's just kind of mention kendrick kendrick lamar just put out a new album yep. it's fantastic the black keys just put out a new album uh-huh. it's the black keys it's really good it's yep. listenable um Billy Gibbons is on it, and I'm listening to it without looking at the notes. I'm like, God, they are just ripping off ZZ Top on this track. And then I'm like, oh, thank God. And then the smile, which is Johnny Greenwood and Tom York from Radiohead's uh, new band. Side project, yeah. Side project put out an album, which, oh, man, somebody's going to get pissed off me. But I like it even more than Radiohead's last album, Moonshape Pool. It's I think I think that was a pretty polarizing Radiohead album. Yeah, it, that's fair. This album is really great. I'm not sure why they needed a side project and why Radiohead isn't recording right now, but definitely because they're mad at the drummer. 
Probably. Um, okay. Other other things. Um, Metric, one of my favorite bands, has a new single. Uh, they have two new singles from their new album that's going to be out in July. One of the new singles is ten and a half minutes long and is a through composed suite uh, that they did that is really well done. Wow, I would never pick that band as a type of band. And to it's going to be the first track on the album. <laughs> well, that's bold. Um, yeah, it's it's really fun. Um, Let's see. Uh, I love the new. Do you know um, Rolling Blackouts Coastal Fever? No. That's all one band name. Uh, Rolling Blackouts CF, they sometimes go by. They have a new album called Endless Rooms that I'm really digging. Okay. What, about, of, what about Fontaine's DC? I just today saved that to my listen to this soon. I, th- I think you'll really like them. And, and, I'm also hoping that you'll figure out what DC stands for because they're from England and I, mm. I don't know why they're called Fontaine's DC. They're not they're not Irish. Maybe they're maybe, maybe Okay, they're they're, Irish they're from, from the UK. Yeah, Ireland notably as we all know in the UK. <laughs> <laughs> this this is why I have not been on Jeopardy. <laughs> the UK, yes. Uh, okay, uh, Matthew, where and, can they and fi- some other shit? Where uh, can they find us? All right, they can find us at hiddenjukebox.com, uh, facebook.com slash hiddenjukebox, instagram.com slash jukebox hidden. Uh, and uh, I don't know, probably, probably someone says something about us on Reddit, maybe. It couldn't have possibly been good. <laughs> um, and uh, next time we are going to do Closer by Nine Inch Nails. We already, we've already decided. Yes. Uh, until next time, I'm Jake Amster. And I'm Matthew Amster Burton, and you get me closer to God. <laughs>